0: Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed the message. Well, good morning. You're looking good. You're looking good. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 22. And we're excited about water baptism following the service. If you made plans to do that or you've come to be a part of someone doing that, uh, we're glad that you're here. And if you haven't made the decision to be baptized since you put your faith in Christ, uh, you can do that spontaneously today. We've made sure we have everything for you. And so Numbers chapter 22. Before I get there, um, I'm going to be talking to you just for a minute on God is speaking. Are you listening? God is speaking, but are you listening? In the book of Jude, verse 11, it talks about the heir of Balaam. The heir of Balaam, referring to an Old Testament character and story that we're going to look at in Numbers chapter 22. You can go a few chapters later to the book of Revelation. You can just write this down and look at it later if you would like. Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, and it talks about the doctrine of Balaam. So Jude talks about this thing called an heir, referring to Balaam, this Old Testament prophet. In Revelation, John, the apostle, talks about the doctrine of Balaam. Before we read Numbers chapter 22, I want to just in referring to the will of God, the call of God, the purpose of God, most of the time is yes. When you become a Christian, you get dropped onto the inner state of serving God. It's go, it's do, it's accomplish, it's obey God. It, you have his approval. His hand is on your life. It's a green light. Go after it. Do whatever you want to do to honor God. And though there are many things that are negotiable when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to what He wants you to do and what He desires you to do, if He's given you His Word and He's given you the Holy Spirit and He's given you godly wisdom and He's given you a dream or a vision or some type of direction... You can trust that you don't have to sit around and worry and be anxious about, does God want me to do this? Does God not, not want me to, to do this? You don't need a hundred or a thousand scriptures on a specific thing. You don't need a sign in the sky. You don't need a hundred prophecies. All those things are good. But if God wants you to do something, he's called you to do something and you're living your life saying, God, I want to please you. God, I want to honor you. God, I've given my life to you. I want to do great things for you. You need to know that God's answer to you is yes. Go for it. Do it. Go after me. Do what's in your heart. But occasionally, it is possible to miss it. I think when it comes to the will of God, that it's difficult to miss it. I don't see the will of God as something fragile that you can easily miss. I believe that God is faithful and broad in many ways. And even if you and I do miss it, we've got that that GPS system called His Spirit on the inside of us that can recalculate, come on, and get us back on course. But occasionally we do miss it. Maybe we get bad counsel. Maybe just for some reason, as a way that we were brought up, or something that happened to us in life, it produced a way of thinking in us, and something triggers an action or a direction or a decision in our life and we begin to go the wrong way. Sometimes it's a hurt. Sometimes it's an offense. Sometimes we eat bad pizza or bad Chinese food or we haven't slept or we're tired or we're fatigued or we get around the wrong influences and people pressure us and we don't mean to. It's not like we set out to, but we miss something that God is wanting us to do. The word air is what the scripture first talks about, the air of Balaam. In the Webster Dictionary, the word air means to miss it. It means a mistake. The, The imagery that's given in the Webster's Dictionary is a man who's in the outfield and there's a pop fly and he's running after the ball to catch it. The sun gets in his eyes and he drops it. He misses it. He set out to catch it. He set out to field the ball. That was his goal. But something distracted him and he missed it. It's an error. It wasn't intentional. It it wasn't that he wasn't trying to do the right thing, trying to do what he was in that position to accomplish. But he made a mistake. And the Bible says in the beginning, that's what happened with Balaam. He just missed it. He just made a mistake. He was trying to catch it but he dropped it. Or if you play football, it would look something like this. You're in the end zone, they throw you the ball, and you miss it. You had butterfingers. The ball was coming to you. Your goal was to catch the ball. Your desire was to catch it. But you missed it. And a lot of people find themselves trying to catch things, trying to do what God wants them to do, and they just simply miss it. And that happens to all of us. We all fail. We all make mistakes. We all miss it. Nobody's perfect. We're all flawed. We all occasionally will take a wrong turn. We want to go right and we go left. It's just the nature of just being a human being. But the Bible says that he didn't stop in the air... He graduated to doctrine. Doctrine is principles. It's values. It's laws. It's taking a solid, firm, unmovable stance on a thing. And so here he is. He's in the end zone of life. The ball is coming at him. And instead of just saying he misses it, watch what he does. The ball comes at him. And he not only misses it, but he says end zone, touchdown, Seven points, six points on the board. I caught, and they're like, what are you talking about? They threw the ball at you. Yeah, you're in the end zone, but you didn't catch the ball. It's not, you didn't get a touchdown. It's not six points. You missed, no, I want you to put six points on the board. I want you to give me a touchdown. You're like, but you you didn't catch the ball. It doesn't matter if I caught the ball. I'm now going from error, missing it, dropping the ball, to changing the rules of the game. That's doctrine. That's saying it's never worked that way. It's it's never played that way. But I don't care how God plays it. I play by my own rules. And you have to be careful in your walk with God when you go from missing a pop fly to changing the game. You see, the, the danger for us does not lie in missing it or making a mistake, or failing, that is going to happen. You will err. You will take a wrong turn. The danger is when you formulate that into an immovable stance that vindicates or justifies the error you are walking in. And so Numbers chapter 22, again, you hear me say this all the time, but the Old Testament is the dictionary of the New Testament. So we get to go and find out exactly what Jude and John were talking about with Balaam. Verse 23, it says, Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And so Balaam struck the donkey to turn back on the road. And the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the two vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the angel saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. I hope you're seeing the progression. And the angel of the Lord went further, this time stood in the narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or the left. And this time the donkey saw the angel of the Lord and laid down under Balaam. But Balaam was so angry and so upset that he struck the donkey with his staff. And then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And the donkey said to Balaam, what have I ever done to you that you've struck me these three times? Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there was a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. And the donkey said, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all this time? Am I not yours? Have you not been able to do what you wish? And and now... When you say to do something, I've always done it. And he said, yeah, you've always done what I needed you to do. The story here is, is one that's very familiar to all of us. Of how a donkey talks to a prophet. And how God is speaking to you right now. God is speaking to you in your life. Probably through an unusual source. Maybe somebody you've chosen not to listen to, something you've not chosen, he's speaking to you, are you listening? See, the background of this particular text is Balak, who is the king of the Moabites, is tired of losing to the Israelites. Every time he goes to battle with the Israelites, the Israelites win. Every time they go to fight, the Israelites find a way to succeed. And Balak hears that the reason that the Israelites win is because of their God, the favor of their God, the protection of their God. And so he hears that there's a guy by the name of Balaam who's a prophet who the Israelites go and consult. And if the prophet says God's going to bless you, God's going to give you the victory, then they win. If he doesn't say that, then Israel doesn't go to war. And so Balak finds this out and he's thinking to himself, what I need to do is I need to go see if I can hire Balaam. And if I can hire Balaam away from the Israelites and he can come over to my side and he can give us that favor if he can speak that blessing over us and speak against the Israelites then we can win and we can finally overcome this enemy of ours. And so he gets word to Balaam and he says, listen Balaam, I've got this massive treasure. I've got all this gold. I've got all this silver. All I need you to do in the same way that you speak The blessing of God on the Israelites to win against us. I need you to come over to our side and I need you to speak the blessing of God over us against them. And Balaam says, let me pray about it. He's a man of God. God speaks to him. God communicates with him. God is clear with him. And he's praying and he's saying, God, would you please let me do this? This is a lot of money that's here. I know that you've told me to not speak against your people. I know you've told me to to back them and to hear from From you for them and I know what you've told me but this one time please this is a lot here can I please would I beg of you would you let me this one time give me the exception this one time and he's trying to talk God into doing something God does not want to do. Think about how we do this all the time. God says no, but we say, God, please, 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 can I, I know she's not saved. I know she doesn't love you. I know she's not walking with you. I know she's crazy. She's probably got a demon, but I, I think she's hot. And this one time, please, please, God, would you just love, I know he doesn't love you. I know he doesn't have a heart for you. I know that he wants nothing to do with you, but he is smoking hot. This one time, God, please, if you'll let me, I'll change his heart. He'll serve you. He'll see you and me and he'll pop. Maybe, and we ask God all the time, don't we? Let's be honest about it. We ask God all the time. There's a negative relationship. A negative thing that's grabbed a hold of us. Maybe it's our past. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's some other compromise and it's there. And we know it's not the will of God, but we're we're justifying it in our mind. I really want this, God. I really want to do this. One time I was talking to my daughter Savannah and I could feel her pulling away from us. And so I went out to dinner with her and I'm just talking to her and it comes up that she's talking to this guy and it comes out as she's talking, she says, oh, well, we're just friends. We're not really dating. We, we, we wouldn't do that because he's still seeing another girl. I said, oh, um. (laughs) I said, does this other girl know he's talking to you? Oh, no, no, no. She she would get so mad if if she knew that he was talking to me. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. I said, sweetie, that's called cheating. She says, no, he's just my friend. We're just friends and I'm just listening to him, but, but I'm pretty sure he's going to break it off with her, but he doesn't want to hurt her right now. He doesn't want to, you know, he's afraid of what she'll do. So he's just, he's just trying, we're trying to figure out together maybe what the best thing is to do here. I said, sweetie, if she doesn't know he's talking to you, it's cheating. And the same thing he's doing to her, he's going to do to you. Now, I'm not here to give you relationship advice. But somebody just needed to take that right there. Just go ahead and. Somebody else brought his girl to church today and thought, man, if I get her to church, she's going to sure. It'd be, it'd be easy. I'm just going to lift my hand and worship and she's going to surely think that I'm good. But you just got smoked out. You just got flushed out. We, we know. We know your game. We know how you are. You're a Christian gigolo, so you're not fooling nobody. Quit using God to help you have gain that you don't have outside of the church. I don't know where that came from. I really don't. I did not plan on it. But by your woe, I can know it came out way stronger than what it was in my head. I got about three guys in here right now that are very upset. (laughs) I told Savannah, I said, sweetie, listen, we were in the car by this time. I said, you're going to at some point wish that I would pull over this car, yank you out of it, and beg you to run from this situation. But I can't do that. You're going to have to make a call. She made her call. A few months later, she comes to me. She says, Dad, you were right. The same thing he did to her, he did to me. And that's how we are with God. We start telling God, no, it's not really like that. It's not really the way you think. And we have our own justifications for it. And we're looking for this reason to justify it, when God's already given you a no. He's already given you a warning. He's already said what he desires there. And Balaam is doing this. He's pushing, he's praying. God says no. God says, I don't want you to do that. He's asking over and over. And God says no, no, no. And finally, God says, if you really think that you want to do that, you keep pressuring me, you keep pushing me, I'm just going to have to say, if you want to do it, if you really think this is how you want to go at life, I guess you can go. But before you do, get a night's sleep. Wake up in the morning and ask me again. And when you wake up in the morning and you ask me, we'll talk a little bit more. He wakes, wakes up in the morning. He jumps up. He runs to Balak and says, God told me I could do it. He didn't pray about it. He didn't see God about it. He runs, God said, me I could, said we could do that. God said let's go. God said let's curse the Israelites. So he goes out and he saddles up this donkey. And he starts to ride it. He ends up in this open field is what the Bible says. Room everywhere. This massive space. And in this open space, an angel of the Lord shows up in front of the donkey. The donkey can see it, but Balaam can't. And the donkey tries to turn around. The donkey knows that it shouldn't keep going in that direction. The donkey knows it needs to turn. But as it tries to turn, Balaam is infuriated and starts kicking the donkey to move forward. And starts hitting the donkey to move in that direction you see right here there's a lot of space to turn around right here there's no hindrances there's no obstacles yeah some conversations have happened, happened yeah some thoughts have been going on yeah maybe you've gone a little bit further than what you should but it's not too late to turn back it's not too late to humble yourself it's not too late to say you know what I need to let this go turn back around and tell God I've made a mistake I pushed I shouldn't have pushed I, 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 I let my anger I let my attitude i let my unforgiveness i let my bitterness to get the best of me i let my stubbornness grab a hold of me i know that that's it right here there's openness you can turn just turn around well balaam keeps kicking the donkey he ends up now between what the bible calls two vineyards and in this two vineyards there's a wall on each side and each wall on each side now is becoming more and more narrow There's not as much room to turn around. But the donkey sees the angel of the Lord again... ...and tries to turn, tries to move... ...but Balaam hits the donkey again. Now the donkey is laying down. The donkey is, is laying on the ground... ...trying to not move. But Balaam is beating the donkey. The donkey gets up and throws Balaam against the wall... ...breaking his leg... ...to try to get Balaam to quit going in the wrong direction... Finally, Balaam is so mad and angry, he ends up, the path narrows to now. There's no way to move. The donkey is in this path, and one wall's here, and one wall's here, and he can't move. And he keeps pushing and pushing in the wrong direction. It's interesting to me that the further he pushes through the nose of God, the harder it gets to turn around. Yeah, God, I know it's wrong. I, I know this isn't your will. Yes, you gave me a space there to, to accept your grace. But, but over time, if you're not careful, your conscience gets seared. Over time, you start justifying it. And what was an error for a moment now turns into an immovable stance on a thing. And you keep going down the wrong path over time. It's extremely hard to turn back around. The longer you live in sin, the longer you resist the heart of God for you, the longer you stay in that bitterness, the longer you stay in that negative attitude, the longer you stay in that compromise, the longer you flirt with the devil, the longer you flirt with that wrong thinking, the more disadvantaged you become over time, the stronger your captor becomes, the greater the grip of the enemy on your life becomes. You see it in church. You see it in Teenagers with their parents. You see it in godly relationships where they can see something is ahead of you that's dangerous and they're there talking to you, speaking to you, saying, Come on, turn back around, don't do this. But you will not listen. You are so unteachable. The path gets narrower and narrower and narrower until finally you reach the point in the story where God is speaking, but you're not listening. And so God uses a donkey to talk to the prophet. Notice the picture here. God's using a donkey to talk to a donkey. God's using a four-legged donkey to talk to a two-legged donkey. And the four-legged donkey is smarter than the two-legged donkey. Have you ever been there? God is speaking... Are you listening? God is trying to get you back into his will, back into his purpose. And this is what the donkey says. Balaam, since the time you bought me, have I not always carried you? From the time you rode me the first time, have I not always done what you asked me to do? I went where you asked me to go. If you said this direction, we went in that direction. If you said do this, we did that. If you said carry this burden, I carry this burden. If you said, if you said work this plow, I work that plow. If you, whatever you said do, I have done it. And he asked Balaam, have I ever in any way resisted you? And Balaam says, no. No. You've always been faithful and trustworthy. Balaam is angry at the very thing that has carried him his whole life. And that's how it is with us, with God. And God's there saying, Man, have I ever not been trustworthy? Have I ever not been faithful? From the moment you began a relationship with me, have I not carried your burdens? Have I have I not saw you through the thick and the thin? Have I, have I not been your healer? Have I not been your provider? Have I not been the one when you didn't know how it was all going to work out, I came through for you? Have I not blessed you? Have I not given you opportunity? Have I not always said, yes, yes, go, do it, go for it. I'm for you. I'm with you. I want the best for you. Have I not always been that way? Have I Ever really said no like this to you? And it's amazing how the moment God gives us those first no's, how like Balaam, we get angry, start to beat up Christians and beat up our parents and beat up other godly influences because they can see something we can't. They can see danger that we can't see. You see, God will put people in your life that will see what you can't. And many of you are kicking the donkey you should be kissing. You're showing more love to people you should be kicking, and you're kicking people who you should be kissing that love you and have your best interest in mind. As a pastor, I'm supposed to get on your nerves. I'm supposed to preach sermons like this. This is what my job is. Not because I'm better than you, but because I need the same thing. We all sometimes get it stuck in our head to go our own way, do our own thing. We all fall into error. But the problem is, if we don't listen to the right voices, it can turn into an immovable stance. God gives Balaam a vision in Numbers 24, verse 4. And the vision is, hey, Balaam, You keep wanting to do this, you're going to fall with eyes wide open. In other words, there's going to be no excuse for you for why you end up where you end up. I talked to you in prayer. I said, no. I talked to you in that worship service. I said, come on. I talked to you through that friend. I talked to you in the field. I talked to you when the path got narrower. I talked to you. I tried to use that hurt. I tried to use that pain. I tried to use that thing that, that kind of crushed you. I've tried to talk to you. But in the end, if you keep pushing forward, you'll fall with eyes wide open. You see, Balaam wasn't a baby Christian. Balaam had been used by God. Balaam knew the heart of God. But he was allowing the error, the mistake, the wrong turn, the, the oops, the I shouldn't have done it, I just, just did I don't know. And he allowed the error to become a way that was immovable for him and he fell with eyes wide open. This morning I'm talking to somebody that you've experienced the touch of God. You've experienced being intimate with God. You know God's word, you know God's plan, you know when God is directing your steps and you know when he is not directing your steps. And you are moving in a wrong direction and your eyes are open. There are things, there are thoughts, there are places, there are people that are involved in your life and love God and they're warning you, turn around. You don't need me to tell you to turn around. You don't need me to convince you to turn around. God has already been speaking to you and your eyes are wide open. Open And you need to know it is dangerous when God says, fine, have it your way. Fine, do what you want to do. Fine, do what's in your heart. And the Bible says in Numbers 31, verse 7, that Balaam ended up dying by the very sword that he was beating that donkey with. Think about it with me. Your steps are ordered by God. He's given you a purpose. He's given you yeses. Isn't it interesting that God used the symbol of stubbornness to tell Balaam you are stubborn? Isn't it funny that God will use sinners to tell you you're sinning? Isn't it funny that God will use somebody you used to influence in, to being positive to tell you? man what happened to you talk bad about everything isn't it interesting that you're trying to tell people that God said yes to something they know that he says no to most of the time it's yes it's approved go for it do it I'm for you I'm with you you're on the interstate it's it's yes it's But every now and then, God says no. And every now and then, we push past a no. And we go too far. Sometimes it's not a no concerning something that we're trying to do wrong. Sometimes it's a no when we know God is wanting us to do something for him. And we know we're on the interstate, but we stop in the middle of the interstate. And we refuse to move. I was like, what are you doing? You're on the interstate. It's not, not, no time to stop. Don't stop. Keep going, keep going, keep going. But we're stopped. This morning I woke up and I read this article and I thought it fit so well and I'm going to close with this. This wealthy family, in the early 1900s, they had gained most of their fortune from mining. Their son, William Borden, had graduated from high school was on his way to this ivy league school and his path was set all he has to do is go to this ivy league school continue in the family business his life is secure the path is secure it's set his fortune is set all he has to do is follow the family plan before he goes to college he went on a trip and on this trip god begins to give him a burden for hurting people in other parts of the world. And on this trip, he decides that what he wants to do with his life, instead of go to that Ivy League school, instead of fulfill the family dream, instead of going after being the one that inherits all this, this great fortune from his family, he's going to turn from all of that and he's going to be a missionary. And he knows that this letter, when his parents get it, is going to be extremely hard to read. But he knows God's saying, go to the missions field. So he writes the letter to his mother, to his father. And he's, hey, listen, I know you have these plans. I know what you want me to do. But I feel like God's wanting me to go help the hurting. I feel like God's wanting me to preach the gospel in the unreached parts of the world. And he's writing this letter to them. They get this letter and his family hears about it. And one of his friends writes him a letter back and says, You're making the biggest mistake of your life. Do not do this. You're walking away from all of this for some pipe dream. And he has a moment where he's wondering, maybe I should go back. Maybe I should Return home. Maybe I should go back to the sure, the safe, the the path that's been laid out for me. But he makes a decision to say, No, God, I'm going to follow you. And he writes in his Bible, No reserves. Very top of his Bible, No reserves. He finally makes it to Cairo, Egypt, where he's going to study to make sure he knows the languages for the places and the people that he's going to go reach. And while he's there, he's not reaching anybody. There's no souls that have won. Nobody's been baptized. No, he's not preached to anybody. But he gets sick with spinal meningitis. And during his sickness, again, he gets word, just turn around, come back home. You can recover here. But he says, no, I'm staying. I'm not backing up. I'm not turning back. I'm going to go and do what God's told me to do. And he writes another phrase in his Bible no retreat. Five months later, his parents get word that he died. And the story hits newspapers across America and sorrow hit the nation hearing about this prestigious family, this young boy with so much potential, so much gifting, in many people's opinion, wasting his life. Several weeks after that, his mom is going through his bible and she reads the phrase no reserves and then she reads after he got spinal meningitis no retreat and then right before he died days before he died there in his bible it said no regrets and that same story went out and the world heard the no reserve, no retreat, no regrets message. And it inspired a nation of young people and hundreds and thousands of young people that were just doing their thing to live a safe life, left that safe life, and hundreds of missionaries were inspired through his story. No reserves, no retreat no regrets. It's really the only way to do anything great for God. No reserves, no retreat, no regret. And when God says to do something, we do it. When God says to go somewhere, we go. When God says obey me, we obey. When he's clear on it, we follow him. When God says no on something, We say, okay, God, you know better than I do. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your wisdom is higher than my ways. You said that whatever way I'm walking, whatever direction I'm heading, if I don't know what to do, that I can listen to a voice that would say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And Father, if you want me to go in this direction, I'll go in that direction. If you want me to go over here, I'll go over here. If you want me to minister to them. But what I will not do is I will not have reserves, I will not retreat, and I will not live my life in regrets because I've not listen to your voice and your will to me.